0: Welcome to the 63rd episode of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports writer Rusty Simmons. Shortly after Portland beat Denver in Game 7 of the Western Conference Semifinals Sunday, Rusty and I sat down to recap the Warriors' series-clinching win over the Rockets in Game 6, preview the Conference Finals, and discuss the possibility of Kevin Durant and DeMarcus Cousins both playing against the Blazers at some point. We'll have our conversation right after the break. Around 4 p.m. Sunday, Rusty Simmons and I chatted at my apartment in Alameda. Rusty, thanks for joining me on Mother's Day. Um, All the other dutiful sons out there are hanging out with their moms, but our moms do not live in state. So we are here at my apartment on a Sunday afternoon talking warriors
1: but we both did our duty as sons we sent flowers uh i'm running out of options and so this year my mother got a thing that looks kind of like an elephant with a flower coming out of it
0: and you're a you're a pro flowers guy pro flowers that's the way to go yeah maybe we can get uh, some sponsorship on this thing that'd be great i'm i'm 1-800 flowers guy i can switch yeah, I mean, it, I just—it's just what I know, yeah, you know. Sure, sure. It, 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 they have delivered to the wrong place multiple times. Oh, you, it's time for you to come to Pro Flowers. That's the good. That's the good side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, we did our jobs. We, our moms have flowers at their door. Uh, my sister, who's a mom, also has flowers at her door. So, I feel like I'm not a horrible person. Um, but more more pressingly, uh, the Warriors are playing the Portland Trailblazers in the conference finals. And Portland just got by Denver in Denver uh, in game seven of that series. Great game. Uh, I I know you watched the whole thing. I had some issues with my Uber, so I did not watch the whole thing, but I listened to it on the radio. And the Blazers came back from down 17 in the first half. Um, great game from C.J. McCollum. I guess the first question just is, does Portland have a chance? I mean, they have a chance to win a game. Yeah.
1: I, you know, we I think we've all seen Lillard come into Oakland at times and kind of take over a game, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he has one of those games. But uh, four or five game series is about what I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think five games, maybe six, and if it goes six, I would think it's just a. It's kind of like the Clippers series where the Warriors just lay an egg or two because they're not taking Portland seriously. The reality is we just witnessed the conference finals. It just happened to be co- called the conference semifinals. Um, I think Houston is in a different league than Portland. And I and I don't mean to belittle Portland. I think what they've accomplished this year is very impressive. They have one of the best backcourts in the league. I think, I think Dame Lillard is a top 10 player in the league, um, but they have Nurkic injured they they don't have a ton of depth um i just don't i don't see this has to be one of the most lopsided conference finals matchups probably in nba history i was just trying to think about that um on the way over here i thought like
1: now now if you're the warriors you got to figure out what's the availability of kevin durant what's the availability of demarcus cousins and then i thought to myself no actually it doesn't really matter like um You talk about Portland's fantastic backcourt, but I would assume you would take Stephen Curry over Dame Lillard. I assume you would take Clay Thompson over CJ McCollum. So with or without two of their five all-star Hall of Fame starters, the Warriors are still heavily favored in the series, I would
0: think. Right. So let's go back a little bit because we haven't had a podcast since game six of uh, the conference semifinals, and a lot has happened. Um that that game six was one of the crazier games I think I've ever covered. Steph scoreless in the first half, goes off for thirty three points in the second half, twenty-three of the warrior, of the Warriors final thirty three points. Um you've followed Steph a lot longer than I have. Was that his best quarter
1: ever? I don't know. There, there were so many um, in the 2013 playoffs um, against Denver where George Carl was doing everything that he possibly could to get the ball out of Curry's hands. And still, he was, <laughs> it felt like scoring 30 points every right. third quarter. That was when he was having those crazy third quarters. Um, I think of the I'm back game. Where yeah. he goes crazy in overtime at Portland. Right. I mean, there there are some huge ones. Um, and it's kind of what you come to expect. Like, I remember we were having this conversation in the office on Slack going back and forth when Curry gets shut out in the first half. And I go, well, are we going to write that story or the Steph Curry goes nuts in the second half because, you right. know, it's about to happen. Yeah, I don't think any of us predicted 33 in the second half and 23 in the fourth quarter, but you knew it was coming.
0: Yeah, like uh, one of the games earlier in the series, Ron Kroychik, um was doing a sidebar during the game. He came up to me at halftime because Steph had had a bad first half, and he said, should I do a sidebar on Steph? And my thing was, well, um, I'm, I don't feel comfortable pointing you in that direction because I'm not – either – He's, he, there's. it's very possible he's just going to go off in the second half and that either becomes the game story or that becomes a really hard deadline right for you uh, because the entire angle of your sidebar has changed uh, on its head, which is not easy to do, especially with a sidebar where you have to have a lot more context and, and stuff like that than a game story where you, you have a lot of actual details from the game. Um. So, yeah, no, it was a lot of people have called it his best performance ever um i think i think you can make that argument obviously he's it was a career high in the fourth quarter for him um i think career high in any quarter um what people may not realize is Steph's the most important player to the warriors but he's not as combustible as Klay Thompson right Klay Thompson is known for the big quarter Steph has had some good quarters here and there but he's not you know, if he scores 40 in a game, it's usually, you know, around 10 each quarter or, you know, one fifteen, seventeen 17 point quarter. Um, he's not like Clay where he's going off for 30 points in a quarter very after. Uh, yeah. I,
1: and Clay even talks about that all the time, that one of the few things that he thinks he's better at than Stephen Curry is what he calls his spurt ability. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we've seen that from him a lot. Uh, now, I would say for the people who are arguing that, that was Curry's best game, when you put it into context, he's got a broken finger um he's playing without a dislocated. dislocated figure uh playing without Kevin Durant who's dominated the playoffs um and the fact that like you mentioned we just watched the Western Conference finals it just wasn't called that so he's playing a big game against the, the second best team in the league um i you put all that into it you, i i can understand why there is an argument that it was his best game
0: um one of the one of the crazier things that happened after that game you know we're all riding on deadline and everything and then mark stein comes out reports that DeMarcus Cousins is on track to come back in the conference finals. I was able to confirm that. And the person I talked to said that he could come back, you know, probably not at the beginning of the series, but he could come back for the first road trip potentially uh, to Portland, I guess, in this case. So game three, which is way ahead of the timeline I thought. um, And I think surprises a lot of people. But in a lot of ways, it feels ideal for the Warriors because you have the Warriors in such a unique situation in that they kind of know they're going to make the NBA Finals, especially now that they've survived Houston. So you can have you can treat the Conference Finals as a warm up and and kind of ease him into rotation minutes, and then uh, hopefully by the NBA Finals, he's playing a normal workload, which whoever they face in the Conference Finals is going to have you know a legit. Big man, whether or not it's Brooke Lopez or uh, Marcus Sewell or Joel Embiid, um, they're they' it's going to be a huge asset. I think having Cousins back,
1: absolutely, and and I would love to be in the conversation where the Warriors, who uh, love to be super cautious with injuries, are telling DeMarcus Cousins, "Let's hold off, let's wait for the NBA Finals." Versus DeMarcus Cousins, who's been says. Been in the league for ten years and played one playoff game yeah. in four minutes. I, I, you know, I, I want to play right now. Right. And, and you're probably right that the the way to do it is to give him a lesser role at some point during the conference finals and kind of build him up for the for the finals. But but that's going to be some interesting back and forth between the team and Demarcus.
0: Yeah, and it'll also be interesting to see when Durant comes back. Uh, we know he's he's probably going to come back in the conference finals as well. Does he come back for game one? I think he conceivably could. It's considered a mild calf strain. Um, He's had mild calf strains in the past where he's only missed, you know, a week. Um, So I don't think it's beyond plausibility that he could be back for game one. But uh, I would guess they're cautious and they bring him back, you know, maybe closer to game two, game three range. Um, The reality is. Everything, as is often the case, seems to be trending in the Warriors' favor. They got, they survived a great Houston team on the road without DeMarcus and Durant, and now they're, they're going to play an inferior Portland team and get all those guys back when it really matters because if and when the Warriors make the NBA Finals, they're going to be really tested. Um, I think Milwaukee's legit. I think Toronto's legit. I think Philly's legit. Uh, I really, I really like Milwaukee. I think, yeah, I've been really high on Toronto all season, thinking Toronto was going to make the NBA finals. The way Milwaukee's playing right now, the way they played in that Boston series, they could really, you know, if they make the finals, they could make, they could really give the Warriors trouble. I hesitate to say that I think
1: Toronto's the best team in the East because they're playing right now and might not, might not even advance past this round. But um, to me, that that's the team that stood out to me all year. And uh, you're right. I mean, Milwaukee's talented, and what Coach Bud is doing there with that group um, is is fun to watch. Um, if I'm a Warriors fan, to me, I, I still don't want to see Toronto. That that seems to be like the team to me that's uh, the most well-rounded. Uh, I think they they cause the most challenges for the Warriors. Um, but either way it goes, even if it's. I believe that that the Warriors will have a challenge that, that the NBA finals will be fun.
0: Yeah, it you know, definitely for sure. And the as as reporters, right, the only thing we root for is not teams but storylines and even though I don't think think this is going to be a, a super competitive series, I do feel like there's going to be some fun stuff to write. Um what are what are some of the storylines you're tracking? in this conference finals. Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the
1: easiest one for us ever as far as storylines, right? We continue the Curry family reunion, obviously he gets to play against his brother. Um, Andre Iguodala and Evan Turner are best friends We're in each other's weddings. It'd be fun to, I didn't even know that. Be fun to watch them go at it. Well, why, um, why is that? They were in Philly together, uh, okay. right at the beginning and have stayed really close. They're both really cerebral players. You know, the way Evan Turner plays is very similar to, to Iguodala that he's a point guard who doesn't want to shoot and, um, great defensive player. Versus They're in long. each other's yeah. weddings. Yeah. Yeah. Andre has friends. No, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So but that's what, that's what makes it interesting. Right. Um, and, and this is also I think there've been some really fun matchups over the years between the Warriors and Portland. Um I'm not sure that the Warriors love Zach Collins. So there's some there's some fun storylines yeah. there that you can play with.
0: And then obviously Lillard with, you know, the home Oakland home. native. Um, it's been well chronicled. What he means to Oakland, what Oakland means to him, uh, grew up just a stone's throw away from Oracle Arena in the I'm gonna the something village brook uh
1: I believe
0: you. Yeah. Uh, I, I some Oaklanders are gonna get mad at me yeah. for not remembering the, the his neighborhood, but he the neighborhood right next, East Oakland right next to Oracle Arena.
1: If Dame scores forty in the first game, I'm gonna say it was your fault for not remembering his neighborhood.
0: Yeah, no. And the sad thing is I used to live in East Oakland, so I should really know that. Uh but he uh he he's been so great. He he didn't have a phenomenal conference finals series, but obviously that shot he hit them to make the, the, the conference semifinals sorry that shot he hit at the end of the first round um he's 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 just a true leader and um i grew up in portland I, I i'll be i'll be completely candid on the podcast i grew up a blazers fan i had season tickets to the blazers um i am not a blazers fan anymore uh i do not a fan of any team in the nba now this is my job but i do have a understanding and a pulse on what that team means to that city and specifically what Dame Lillard means to that city. Portland's a place where when I was 12 years old, I remember talking to my friends about, you know, we all knew like the Blazers that lived in Portland year round, you know, like we, we cared about it on that level. And, and when there, when a player lived there year round and actually embraced the city as a home, the fan base Cared a lot about that and 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 tracked that and Dame has done that and I think the fact that Portland has overachieved the past couple of years. Yes, they got swept in the first round last year, but the fact that they were even they were a three seed, right? Or were they a four seed? Three. They were a three seed last year. That team wasn't that good, oh. and they were a three seed. Right. And I on this team is I don't want to say they're not that good, yeah. but they're not as loaded as a typical conference finals team and i think the reason they've got here gotten here is largely just not not just his play but his leadership he he just has such a great way of getting the best out of his teammates and you got to respect that no i think you're exactly right um
1: and their backcourt reminds me a little bit of the warriors and that they seem to have this complementary element to them that lillard had a terrible first quarter today um, and CJ McCollum just automatically starts picking up his game, and you see that a lot with the Warriors. It's very rare that Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson both have a bad game in the same game. Um, so, and, and Portland, like you're talking about, that, um, that they're the only. Sport in town in Portland, right? When guys stay there, it means something to the community, um, and I think the Warriors have a little bit of that element too. That there's Oakland teams and San Francisco teams, and and Oakland, the Warriors are the one that kind of brings the barrier together around around one thing. So um, I think there's a, a lot of a lot of build up from the fans on both sides of this, and and also we can always do the Jim Barnett story, Rip City. Yeah,
0: I, I actually just had a, a media dinner the other night in Houston with with Jim Barnett, and he was talking about. You know how he was an original trailblazer, and I don't know how familiar fans are, but basically, he he was uh, he was he's the reason Rip City is called Rip City because he hit a shot, and uh, the, the play-by-play announcer Bill Shonley at the time for the Blazers yelled Rip City and it just kind of stuck. And uh, so if anyone wonders why they're called Rip City, they can they can thank jim barnett and uh you know so in portland is obviously i'm from portland so i might be a little biased but portland is just a great nba city um and i i think they're gonna be really happy just to be there i mean i don't think anyone in portland expects the blazers to beat the warriors but they're just really except for lillard uh who has openly said that he would not be on a super team um and you know Lillard also, let's let's not forget Lillard is there's he's the only other player in the league outside of Steph Curry who routinely hits 30 footers. He obviously hit like a 37 footer to win the to seal the first round. Um I'm gonna enjoy just watching thirty footer after thirty footer. That'd be fun.
1: it, it it's amazing. Um when you stand behind the three point arc at the top of the key you realize that you got to launch that thing. And now this is another 5, 8, sometimes 10 feet behind that. Um, and it looks effortless for both Curry and Damian Lillard. And I think we saw that throughout the Portland-Denver series, that when they would play that two-man game, it was really hard for Jokic to get out far enough on Lillard um, because he'll pull up from, from 30 routinely. Uh, and, and so that'll be something really interesting to watch in the Warriors series, too, is, is what big guy uh, is going to be involved in that two-man action and can they get out far enough to him.
0: Yeah, and you know that the Warriors are going to try to exploit Ines Cantor, who is historically bad defensively. Um, and you know that they're going to try to get him in a bunch of switch situations and, and try to ISO him. Um, I'm sure Portland is going to game plan against that, but that'll be something interesting to watch. Um, and then you you alluded earlier to Seth Curry. Seth has had a really nice year. I think he finished like third in the league in three-point percentage. Um, you know, which is he provides Portland something they've really needed the last couple of years, which is a shooter off the bench. That's something that's something they've they've struggled in, is they haven't had shooters to space the floor other than Lillard and McCollum. And he provides that. Um, and it would be cool to see, you know, them going at it on the playoff stage. I don't think they've ever faced each other in the playoffs. Seth's only been a rotation guy in the league for like three years now. Um. So it, it it'll be interesting. Yeah, and I think we all think of Seth
1: Curry as a shooter, and that's that's what he is. Um, but he's not bad defensively, and he's a really smart player. At the end of the game, one of the hardest things in the world is to intentionally foul at the end of the game, right? You're up by three, you yeah. just foul him. It's one of the hardest things. So sometimes coaches won't even do it. Um, but they put Seth Curry in specifically to do that today, and he he fouls Jokic and and does a great job. And um. So I think it's interesting to see what they do with him. And you mentioned Ennis Cantor because you're exactly right. The Warriors have to go at him. Any team would go at him. But Portland's interesting that they have so many defenders around him. When you think of Harkless and Aminu and Evan Turner, that they find ways to kind of help him out. I wasn't sure he was going to be able to play in the Denver series, but he actually looked okay because there was always somebody there to help.
0: No, he, he looked – he looked solid honestly i mean maybe that's an overstatement but he looked not horrible yeah. um and what a what a nice addition that has been I, one thing i've been impressed by with the blazers is they had a couple really key roster moves additions during the season that have gotten them to this point uh canner off the off the trash heap was was uh waived by the Knicks, and I don't think a lot of people thought much of that pickup, but with in the wake of the Nurkic injury, injury, that has been huge. They just needed someone who could score in the low post, who could grab rebounds, who could provide that physicality. And he's, he's stepped in admirably, especially offensively. And then uh, Rodney Hood. Uh, Rodney Hood, who Warriors fans remember from all the talk about him not playing in the NBA Finals last June, um, he – was picked up midseason by the Blazers and has has provided them a nice scoring punch off the bench, had a couple of really big games in the conference finals, um, hitting really big shots late in games. And, uh, you know, the Warriors, the Blazers need that because for a while it's just felt like it's the Lillard McCollum show and they just haven't had anyone else that you have to game plan for. And I'm not saying Rodney Hood is – an all-star caliber player, but he's someone who can hit shots in big moments and can take some of the pressure off of Willard and McCall.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we start out the conversation by saying this will be a five-game series, maybe six. But Portland, as we talked about, it has some pieces, right? Yeah. They, they have two stars, and then they have some pieces. They have a guy like Hood who can carry your offense for a quarter easily, right? There's been times this year where the Warriors wish they had somebody like yeah. that off the bench. Um, and, and they have some defensive players who can switch and guard multiple positions. So there are some pieces there, Um all of these conversations end up with, but the Warriors have five All Stars, five right, future All Favors, right, right. so on and so forth. But, but Portland has some pieces. It'll it'll be
0: an interesting series. I mean, you have to be pretty good to make the Conference Finals. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. They they're in the Conference Finals, so they're, hope hopefully they have some pieces. Uh, and Denver is a very good team, and they beat Denver. Um, I think, and Jokic was playing at a MVP level, and that was that was a impressive win by the Blazers. Um, in that Denver. in Denver, in Denver, I, I think the odds, the statistical odds of them winning the series when they went down three two was, was like eighty percent against them, twenty uh, percent chance of winning. So they beat the odds. And uh, one thing that'll be interesting to watch in Game One is how deep Steve Kerr digs into the digs into the bench again because the bench was awful until. In, in the in the conference semifinals until game six. And kind of out of necessity, Steve played some guys, played Quinn Cook, meaningful minutes, Just Sterebko, Sean Livingston, Kavon Looney, obviously, and, and Jordan Bell, who I honestly told people before the game I did not think he was going to play another minute in the playoffs. And then I looked like an idiot because he has his best game in a very long time in game six, largely because he had to because – Draymond Green was in foul trouble. Kaman was in foul trouble, and obviously Durant's out, Cousins is out, Damian Jones is out. So they just needed bodies, and you know it'll be interesting to see if those if that was just kind of an aberration or if those guys can make a real impact going forward. Because I think, like we said, they're they're going to be Portland, but. For them to be a Milwaukee or a Toronto, I think they need real contributions from the bench, from the from those guys. Uh, I think Kavon has proven that he can do that, but they need you know they need the occasional night from Sean Livingston, who was kind of a non factor until Game Six. They need th- those types of contributions. Yeah. No.
1: I, I, when you first started talking about the bench, I thought, well. None of it matters until we know for sure when Durant and Cousins are going to come back, right? Because that eats up so many of the minutes. But as you kept going, I started agreeing with you that they need to be thinking about the next series and that they're going to need something from those guys at some point. So why not start demanding it from them now? You know, Even if you have Durant back by game two and Cousins back by game three, um, maybe you continue to play those guys in – Six eight minute stretches and and try to build some confidence in them and, and and vice versa. So that Coach Kerr has confidence in them, knows what to expect from them, knows if he can play them.
0: Also, just kind of ease the workload of yeah. the star guys because you know the Durant's of the world, the Seth Curry's of the world. They've played forty plus minutes a night throughout the playoffs, and that takes a toll. You know, especially when you have instead of two three nights between games, you have one night between a game and. Uh, you have obviously Durant coming back from an injury. Um, you need, you want those guys to be fresh come come the NBA Finals, and so it's going to be key just to just in terms of just in terms of preservation of, for those guys. Um, it's going to be interesting, man. Um, I'm personally just happy that I get to go home, see see the fam a little bit, uh, catch up with some old buddies. I got a bunch of texts after Portland one say, "Hey, when you get to town?" So that's always great. Uh, but I'm also excited because, like we said, there's a bunch of good storylines. I think we'll have a bunch of good content on sfchronicle.com. Uh, I can I can already tell you we're gonna have some good features in the works here. So, um, stay locked and loaded there. And Rusty will be joining me. I don't think in Portland, but he will be joining us at all the home games and continuing to. Pro- provide great coverage so i really appreciate it
1: if you don't invite me to portland for the games i'm at least going to go and deliver flowers to your mother in person since since you tried to do it with 1-800 yeah
0: yeah and i actually found out i I lied earlier when i said the flowers were in front of my mom it's actually not coming till tomorrow so they they you know i called my mom i was like mom i got something come tomorrow sorry uh, but yeah, no. So I think you converted me to Pro Flowers. Uh, anyone listening to this, if you work for Pro Flowers, we're open to uh, you know sponsorship. Um, let's let's make that happen. I want to thank Rusty Simmons for joining me on the podcast. It's always fun picking his brain about the Warriors. Warriors Offcourt is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor in chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at Con underscore Cron and email me at cleturno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.